The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org. Check out Dogs Are Treat at dogsartreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tieouts, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off. At checkout, go to their website today at dogsartreed.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe. From east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for joining us again this week for Houndsman XP. I hope all the hound dog dog and moms out there had a great Mother's Day and got to spend it with your kids and doing the things that you all enjoy doing. So day late, happy belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. In this week's episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we are going to South Texas. Shorty and I sit down with Bubba Allen. Uh, We were on the ranch that he manages and just sat down outside on a beautiful day in South Texas and had a great conversation. Bubba uses his hounds to do, um, to do a lot of damage control work on hogs here in Texas. So there's a lot of good stories about catching South Texas hogs. We also talk about breeding and selection of dogs and, and just a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And it's always fun just to sit down and talk about dogs among houndsmen so great conversation there 
Before we get into the podcast, a couple things. Uh, it's been pretty slow legislatively. Maine had a little bit of a scare up there with a, um, a bill that, that would make hound hunting almost impossible in Maine. But uh, it, was, it had to do with the company and hounds and things like that. I kind of dropped the ball on that last week. I should have included it in the pre-roll last week. But thankfully, you know, groups like Sportsman's Alliance and Hunter Nation – and uh, they stayed on top of it, and the hounds went on the ground in Maine. You know, Mark Dufresne called me and talked to me about this whole thing. He's been working on that up there as well. So the houndsmen in Maine stepped up once again and defeated the – this is a subversive-type bill that uh, they were trying to restrict the use of hounds not not the not the actual hunting of the animal it's your typical tactic where we'll just make it harder for you to be able to do this well good news it was voted down this week it is dead it's not going anywhere no thanks to us because we didn't bring any press to you on this at all and my apologies to the main houndsman for uh, missing that one and not staying on top of that but you guys were effective, and congratulations to you. Make sure that you stay in tune, though. There is no time to go to sleep at the switch on these issues, folks. It, with, the, with the legislative sessions winding down in these states, then now is the time to start building those relationships with your representatives, educating them, and, and making them aware of, of why we do what we do, and make sure that they know your name. And, and that way you have some influence there. So now's the time to do that. Not next, not next January. It's going to heat up again on social media and we're going to see bills popping up and there's going to be this big alarm about, uh, we need to act now. Well, I'm saying now is the time to act, not next January. Right now is the time to act. Start building those relationships now. So you can do a couple things to do that. One thing you can do is Look at groups like Sportsman's Alliance and Hunter Nation. Make sure that you're joining those groups and making yourself known to the leadership of those groups and building your relationship there as well so that they know who you are and, and you know who they are and, and you understand what you can do for each other. So, so join one, of those, one or both of those organizations. I mean, we're talking less than a $100 bill to be able to stand up to preserve, protect, and promote this lifestyle we live. Don't forget about your state organizations either. Get involved there. A couple weeks ago, we ran a, a podcast about the Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association. That should have given everybody some hope of what is possible when we have good people that are willing to step up. And one person doesn't have to do everything. If all of us just did what we could do, we would be able to enjoy this lifestyle for a long, long time. Guys, I want to say thank you. We had an incredible week. We made an announcement last week about uh, the the partnership with Dogs Are Treed and having an online store there. Right now, we have both of our uh, embroidered hats on dogsartreed.com. We've got our own little section on there. You go to Dogs Are Treed. You scroll down to the tab that uh, sounds indicates houndsman xp you can go in there and if you use the promo code hxp20 you can get 20 percent off the hat but you can also get 20 percent off all the other stuff that you purchase while you're there shopping for our hat 
And if you're a Patreon supporter, then make sure you contact us and you have the code to get 25% off there. So it's all there, folks. Uh, dogs are hydrated, paws are protected, premium out uh, leashes and tieouts, and 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 all kinds of great gear is available at dogsartree.com. And now you can purchase Houndsman XP logo wear that helps us support this show. We appreciate every one of you. It's time to get into this interview. We really love having you here and supporting us. Thank you for all your support this past week. And here it is, folks. It's time to dump the box. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. All right, we are not in a wind tunnel. We are out in it in South Texas, and uh, I'm here with uh, my friend, shorty gorm on this one and uh he's co-hosting we got a special guest with us and uh, man it's a beautiful day out here it is hear the birds chirping in the background i can't hear anything except you breathing in that mic or the wind blowing across your mic that's I'm not just sure hot air coming out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so shorty you want to introduce our guest yeah we're here uh more texas that would be probably the closest town um we're at a little place on a ranch called fish camp but we're not fishing we're here talking about uh so this is called the fish camp ranch no sir this, this location, this okay. location. Where we're at we're on the, we're at the fish camp on the ranch yes i'm, I'm hence get, the I'm lake trying, behind me there is a nice big lake here yeah uh and we're here with a friend of mine bubba allen and uh bubba i won't tell your whole story but bubba's a a quail hunter slash hog hunter so Obviously not running the same dog for both, which would be cool. Um, but uh, Bubba, uh, why don't you you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? How you got into hound hunting and and uh, and whatnot, and how you got into the dogs that you're hunting now? Yeah, I was in high school about 35 years ago. Uh, a fellow by the name of James Land. He was a uh, pretty much my mentor, mentor, and my first. Uh, as far as the hog hunter, hog hunting went. Had coon dogs when I was a little kid. Grew up with coon dogs and and hounds, such forth. But uh, but James Land, he had a, he had a line of dogs uh, at that time, probably 30. So we're looking at 60, 65 years of dog breeding and selective breeding. Uh, probably sophomore in high school when I first started going with him, and uh, was a lot of fun, a lot of adrenaline, and uh, soon the coon dogs went away and went into the hog hunt and got a lot more serious about it i've only heard i've only been in south texas for a couple of days and i've heard james land's names multiple times he uh if you have a dog in south texas that you hunt any kind of animal with you will most likely know who who he he was he's a good fella and a good dog man 
uh, kept a lot of dogs, called a lot of dogs, just a good dog man in general, and and had a good, far as I know, the best line of dogs uh, in South Texas. Describe those dogs. Uh, he started uh, he started with some some cur dogs out of Florida, uh, the Parton line of cur dogs, and he bred some his his father. Uh, was a wolf hunter, and we call wolf hunters in South Texas coyote. He had coyote dogs, hounds, uh, running walkers. Uh, he took his, his daddy's old line of dogs and selectively bred them back into the, the cur dog strain. Uh, added a little uh, long-legged pit bull for some tenacity, uh, but a very, very small and diluted it greatly. Uh, for to, to achieve the kind of dogs that he wanted uh the bulldog in south texas we get in a we get in some bad situations and some bad thickets and shorty will tell you that's where the bobcats like to live and that's where the hogs like to live you get in a white brush thicket and you might be crawling in on your belly trying to see what the dogs are barking at and unfortunately the hogs can't climb a tree so they're on the ground and and you're on the ground on your belly and uh not able to move so right it takes a dog that has a little grit sounds like a hog hunter's got to have some tenacity you gotta and have grit. a little all the while you're dodging rattlesnakes yeah and watching yeah. where your elbows and your hands are landing because there sure could be a rattlesnake there in that snake boots that aren't going to help you when you're crawling head first through that brush Mm-mm. yes sir and uh you know those dogs are just just a little so that he could get when he heard them barking he wanted to know that they were visually looking at them and which dog he was listening to that he could walk he could crawl in on his hands and knees and uh make a good clean ethical shot uh, to dispatch the hog at the time did mm-hmm. not like uh using straight catch dogs per se uh that tends to get one hog at a time so uh he would take these dogs and bay up a pack of hogs and the cur dog instinct is to circle and keep them herded like you would herd cows uh keep them at bay but uh, just enough bite to keep them from sticking their head out too much and, and enough sense to, to handle. And handle is a big big part of this. Uh, but that little pinch of bulldog, just to, when the, when it got tight in there in that thicket, just to keep him looking at him and keep him bar- barking and may take a lick or two, but, but keep on going. Where do you think the brains in those, those hounds come from? Uh, you know... Uh, because you want you want a dog that's smart enough to to do the work you want him to do. They you know they get it they got it from both sides I think uh, that strain of the hounds that that I'm fairly not familiar with anymore it's, it was a little before my time uh, you know but they were a different kind of hound than what is today not knocking the hounds of today by any means a little different kind of kind of hound uh, looked a little different. Uh, a little more bone, a little more substance, those hounds that I can remember seeing uh, than our little tighter made kind of dogs today, a little, little, maybe a little smaller, uh, maybe a little faster today than they were. Uh, and I'll, I'll go into that a little later about speed, but, uh, but yeah, they, they got brains from the, from the cur dog side, and I think it was a good compliment mm-hmm. between the hound and the cur dog at the time. Uh, so we talked before Bubba about you know the dogs being smart how they're baying um uh and then you guys would actually walk inside of this bay and uh 
and take more than one animal at one at at a time how how did that work typically that was the 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 best scenario what we tried to achieve with these dog was to get a rally what we call a rally that is where the the sows are protecting their their pigs and their the the half-grown hogs and they safety in numbers same as the way the cows operate the cows don't want to leave a baby calf mm-hmm. the hogs then a little different today the hogs then didn't want to leave their babies behind they're used to coyotes catching them and they just safety in numbers so when the dogs would bark at them they would make a croaking noise and uh rally up and pack up and make a bunch of racket and to intimidate coyotes well these dogs were a little I'm not going to say tougher than a coyote because I don't know there's anything tougher than a coyote, but <laughs> but they had a little more persistence, and, and they would stay with that, uh, keep barking and make those hogs make noise. And that was our that was our golden shot to two of us slipping there side by side. Uh, we had a plan. We never, you know, we tried to slip in there, watch the hogs for five, ten minutes, get an idea who was in charge and who was making the calls and escape route and we would pick that hog off first uh, that was our first our first shot is who was in charge kind of like taking the general out of the army it was it was chaos after that the hogs would just pause and stand allow us to get four or five more shots out and dispatch it was nothing for us to kill seven eight ten hogs at one time yeah. right there in a matter of 15 seconds 20 you, seconds you mentioned coyotes you know a coyote coyote every wild animal but especially a wild predator you know it's all about risk and reward for them you know is the reward i'm going to get worth Worth the the risk risk. so you got a coyote there and he's thinking about taking on a mama pig mama Mm -hmm. hog you know big sow and and he's like "Mm, i'd like to have pork tonight but it's going to cost me a lot of energy to get that and a lot of risk involved Exactly, and so that shows what our concentration of breeding has done in our in our hounds and our cur dogs, you know, to bring out that instinct to catch, but have that tenacity to stay. Exactly, and those same dogs would, you know, eight or ten dogs on the ground, bay that pack of hogs, and not pressure them to make them run, stay off and bay them, and then the same dogs at the same time a 200 250 pound boar with three inch teeth run off and they would physically catch him and manhandle him mm-hmm. the same type of dogs they, that's that's the brain behind these dogs is they knew that we're going to stand back and bay these because he's going to come and shoot them but then we're going to get to catch them after the fact whatever doesn't get a bullet's going to get us so, so you're covey shooting the first group and then it. you're going out you're, and picking up picking singles. up singles after that that's, i hear you that's the whole idea of this kind of way we hunt other than using a, a catch dog or a bulldog where you lead them lead him up there turn him loose and you catch one mm-hmm. and then the dogs go on and you catch one you know we're trying to get multiple kills at one time so that's basically uh there's a lot of sport hunters. I'm not saying it's the right way or it's the wrong way. There's a lot of sport hunters that aren't trying to <clears throat> do a service. They're going to catch one at a time, and that's that's how they, they don't want to shoot over their dogs. Maybe they don't take the gunshot real well. Some dogs do. Some dogs don't. These dogs actually – I just got back from well, – I just well, I'm, drove down here from uh, south Louisiana, and we hog kind of the marshes up there for two days. And, and it was single catches, and it was – uh, you know, anchoring, anchoring the hog with a knife, um, no, no shooting, um, 
and bulldogs. So I, I think it's interesting. You you just move a few hours from a very strong hog hunting area to another really strong to see that difference. And that's what, what we try to do on the podcast is showcase how Bub Allen does it and how you've people you've known do it in South Texas and how it can be different but effective. And you know the best thing about it, nobody does it the wrong way. That's it. It's all the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just because we're different doesn't mean somebody does something different doesn't mean they're wrong. Um so in your in your we'll get into breeding. I want I really want to pick your pick your brain a little bit about breeding. But getting back to the whole hog hunting thing, uh, were you doing depredation work? Were people calling you? Yes, uh, probably eighty-five percent was depredation work. Uh, landowners call, farmers call, have a problem. We'd show up, scout, look around, uh, do our homework, talk to the landowners, talk to neighbors. It was very important that we had everybody's consent. Uh, that it was okay. The dogs we could recover our dogs. Uh, Dispatch Did you ever have hogs. any problems with that, with people that didn't want to let you? Yes, uh, there was there was problems at time. Uh, not early on. Early on, uh, mostly it was country people were country people, and they grew up with dogs, and they understood hounds and and cur dogs and hunting dogs, and and then times change, and we get doctors and lawyers. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about doctors and lawyers. Everybody needs them. They came to the to the country and started their and this is why my dog breeding has changed. They come to the country and have a hunting ranch, and, you know, they didn't understand the importance that the farmer, their neighbor, uh, had a problem, and being the neighborly thing to do was to help your neighbor and to grant permission, this is how we're going to handle it. This was before helicopters and, and things like that. Uh, what about the high fence? Was all this high fence in no, this country? No, uh, there was some, but not a lot. There so was how long ago did they start the high fence deal? Uh, I would say we're going on probably 15 to 20 years okay. now that, and some before, but now today high fence is a, is a typical normal. And I'll explain why my dogs have changed the way they have changed today is mm -hmm. what they were 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where's the most interesting place you've been called to catch a hog? Uh, the golf course in a subdivision. That was pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of money involved in a golf course. Uh, you know, farming and stuff like that. I'm not gonna say it's the best. The best was on the golf course, but uh, most a lot of people standing around watching. Uh, I've <laughs> caught hogs on people's porches, and they were looking out the window, giving me the thumbs up. You know, it was. Uh, but it was all good back then. You know, it yeah. was, They they needed help, and we were there to help. What uh, what kind of dog food did you feed your dogs back then? Uh, back then they pretty much uh. They pretty much ate what they caught. Uh, we caught a lot of hogs. There was a lot of hogs to catch. Uh, sometimes it got cooked. Sometimes it didn't. Uh, sometimes we had a pile of wood that needed to be burned, and we burned the hide and made some cracklings and, and uh, pulled it off. Those dogs were smart, and they were glad to get what they got. And uh, Nobody growled. Nobody fussed. And 15 dogs may be eating off of one carcass, uh, you know, cooked on some mesquite wood. That's that's some incentive for a dog to catch a hog. It is. No catch, no eat. That's right. So are you raising all these, these dogs together? you feeding them together? I think it helps with a, with a pack mentality. Uh, it's the brothers and their sisters and their first cousins and the line of dogs. Uh, 
you, you can do that when they're raised together like that in that atmosphere. You start buying dogs, and, and I don't buy dogs, but uh, you know, I don't have anything about somebody buying a dog. Uh, but you start bringing strange dogs to the house, and uh, you know, he's a little growly and he's a little worried. You know, somebody's smelling me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm by myself now, and I got to act a little more airish. And, uh, you know, those other dogs don't appreciate that. Uh, right. A lot of times they'll they'll get him off in the corner when nobody's looking and teach him a lesson that you're not supposed to be that way. Yeah, canine psychology is a – we need to find a canine psychologist for the podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, but a dog – a dog, when they – the new dog that comes into the pack, the pack's already established. So that new dog's got to figure out – Where he stands. Where he stands. And, and so you're going to have some of that. It's kind of like that – Remember that old Jerry Clower story about the, the three bulls standing not, at the fence? I'm not that old. <laughs> You've seen Jerry Clower. <laughs> three bulls standing at the fence, and a big semi-truck pulls in. A big gate drops down on the back. The new bull. The new bull steps out of there, and when he stepped out of the truck, the whole truck just kind of let off those springs, just came up as a big bull. And, and – uh the three bulls had the whole conversation before the bull got there. They were all talking. It's like, yeah, I hear the farmer's getting a new bull. When he gets here, you know, I'm going to show him what's what. I got a hundred cows. and I'm not giving him none of my cows. And it went on down to the young bull. He's like, well, I've only got, t- you know, one cow and I'm sure not giving him my cow. <laughs> and, and when the bull stepped off the old cow, the old bull, he says, I don't know, boys. I th- I think it'd be mighty unhospitable if we didn't share some of our cows with him. Second bull's like, yeah, I think you're right. I c- I can afford to lose a few few bulls. And the late young bull, he just jumps a fence and runs out there and starts snorting and digging and pawing the ground and throwing a fit. And and the the old bull says, man, what are you doing? He looked over his shoulder. He goes, I just want to make sure he knows I'm a bull too. <laughs> <laughs> And Jerry Clower, he was a good one. Yeah, yeah, I did him a huge disservice by the way I told that story. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty that. close. It was pretty close. Yeah. Uh. So, so, uh, hog hunting in South Texas. How many hogs do you still have down here? Oh, we have a tremendous amount of hogs. The hogs have changed uh, in the last thirty years. A great. I'm going to ask you about that. A great deal, and I don't know if we killed the we killed the ones that weren't smart. Uh, I contribute a lot to the high fences, uh, and that's why my dogs have changed in the way of breeding, breeding now, and uh, selective breeding for different, for same purposes, different. How's the hog changed? So you know, we have. Did high, you move from feral hog to Eurasian type influence, or? Oh, uh, there's some ranches that have imported some. Uh, I don't agree. A lot of people say, well, they, they brought these European hogs in, and they I've got a ranch right down there. It's actually I hunt on, and it's right down the road from Shorty's. They did the same thing. Those hogs are so bad. They'll run for a little ways, and then they just, they're going to fight you mm-hmm. almost every time. They're going to run through 400 yards, and then they're just, bring it. I'm not scared of you. I'm, I'm big. And they're big, and they're bad, and they got big teeth, and they're dangerous, and so I don't I don't think so. Uh, I think that the high fences, for one, now they're considered the the hog. He walks out even a brand new high fence. Those hogs walk that fence, and they know. And they're even though it could be you know six or eight thousand acres, a, a, a pretty good size high fence. They walk that perimeter at 
couple of nights in a row, they realize they, they can't, for whatever reason, this is what I believe, they can't go through that fence. Another factor, they eat the protein, they get stronger, they get maybe a little bigger. Uh, South Texas, you know, 150, 75-pound hog back in the day was a pretty grown, sometimes you would kill a 200-pounder. Uh, today it's a little different. They're a little bigger, they're a little stronger, but they've got tennis shoes that they've grown on their feet. Uh, contribute this to, we caught the slower ones, now the, the more athletic ones, the high fence, the mm. protein, What's the fence? Nutrition. What do you think the fence plays into it? I mean, walking I just, the fence, what do you think I, fits? You know, I just, I go to places, I hunt in a low fence uh, atmosphere, the hogs don't run too bad. Uh, I don't know if that's because... You run those hogs and they leave, and some different ones come in that haven't been run before. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if they just realize they can't get out, they can't get away, they feel trapped. Even though they're not in a, a trap, it's, you know, there may be four, five, six thousand acres. Uh, but they, man, I'm just telling you, they, it's, it's a different, it's more, a different atmosphere for them. They, more they're going to run back and They're going to run, and they're going to run dirty and. They're going to run like a bobcat sometimes, and then sometimes they're going to run like a coyote. They're, they'll all be able to go in a white brush thicket about 15, 20 circles, and then they'll all pull out and go two miles across country. Uh, Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel. Easily fits in the back of an SUV or if you're traveling with a camper shell. It's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just got to check out their Dash Series. This is a watering system. And I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years. But this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it check them out uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that i can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while i'm out hunting when it's super cold i've had exterior tanks before and as soon as i go to cold climates then i've got to figure out how i'm going to get water to my hounds and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout, enter the code HXP10 and get 10% off of your order. So we ran a hog in the marsh the other day that reminded me of, of a black bear. <laughs> the way, seriously, the way he, that hog legged up and, and I mean, it, he took him, took those dogs for a ride. It had, one older dog on it that she stayed on it for several hours uh, probably two to three hours swam the swam the river with the hog and we finally got some dogs in but but as we were chasing that i was thinking dude it's like a black bear yeah for so 30 years ago if we ran a hog four or five hundred yards uh that was a pretty good race uh you know if he went a half a mile that was a pretty good race uh Tonight, if I took you hunting, if I ran a hog for two and a half hours, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. That's pretty normal. Uh, you might say, well, maybe your dogs aren't as good as they used to be. <laughs> Could be. But I was I thinking went, about that when I was telling you about the black bear race. You're probably sitting there thinking, that, that hog didn't run like a bear. You just need some better dogs. 
Oh, with the equipment and the sophistication that we have with the, you know, we went from no tracking collars to old beep beeps, the old, the old Johnson collars and the wildlife boxes and packing them around on mules and horses and cutting through the country and hunting blackbrush, wahia hills, horseback uh, to the day with the, you know, the dogs are different. You, they, they hunt a lot bigger. Uh, I've bred them a little different. Again, like I've said that I'm going to speak of here in a second but uh you know don't have to cut across country to go find those hogs today uh put a little more hound into them and you know they, they're covering more ground at one time let's let's talk about breeding a little bit because it sounds like your hogs have changed exactly and you needed a different dog the fences have changed and you need a little different dog the lands the people living on this landscape down here have changed and mixed it up a little bit so you need a different dog exactly so yes, wh- how what'd you do what'd you do to address that so uh well mr land was still alive he had he had a, a really solid pack of wolf dogs that he caught wolves on the outside i'll say on the outside of the pen a lot of wolf hunters today they hunt in a in a pen because permission wise uh some people are not going to allow hounds to just roam all over the countryside running coyotes mm-hmm. uh, so they they've built pens in smaller places and they run coyotes in there uh he had dogs that he could go to to high fence deer pens uh three four five thousand acre places had a coyote problem uh killing deer and and he'd catch coyotes and yeah. he'd catch them regular and uh dogs were solid uh fast a lot of endurance uh and pretty kind of rough kind of kind of hound you mm-hmm. know get to a coyote and two dogs catch a coyote uh by theirself uh so i've taken he uh he gave me a litter of puppies and uh and i took those puppies and he said look you hunt these you take these these four puppies and uh you won't get out running those high fences anymore and uh he was on his deathbed at that at that point he told me take those puppies he said you'll quit getting out running these high fences and and my cur dogs is, they were you know they were running a hog hour hour and a half, just they run hard and fast in the beginning and then they just it just starts to uh, it starts to catch on them, or this hog you know in the stick brush he and they say well how does a hog run that far that fast well they trot they run they trot they run, uh, speed is a a big important in my breeding is I feel that you have to push that animal to make him tired to make him stop and fight you uh because they're not going to stop and fight you unless you push them mm-hmm. uh so speed uh which i'm i'm gaining maybe not the 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 100 yard speed but uh where i can see is my dogs that have more cur dog in them to my dogs that have more hound in them now at that about that hour hour and 15 20 minutes into the race that's when i see my hounds okay my cur dogs ran him hard and fast and they got him a little tired. Now I see my hounds on the GPS. Everybody's got GPS now. So you can see who's doing what as far as the dogs. And that's where I see. Are you talking about the same dogs? You're saying, saying I'm seeing my cur dog that I bred into this. Well, so. so Are you running curs some, and hounds? Well, that's what I'm crossing. Okay. That's what I'm crossing. So those cur dogs that I have a lot of endurance, a lot of bottom, got some grit to them. I'm crossing them with my hounds. I've taken these dogs that, that he's long line of wolf dogs, and I've crossed them with the cur dogs. So about that hour into this race, I see the hounds 
Now the hounds were a little behind. Maybe the hounds found it. The cur dogs got there. The have a, hounds have a little better nose. Uh, cur dogs have a good nose. They had some hound in them back in the day. And so about that hour long in the race, that's when I see the hounds starting to take over the there now instead of being number dog number four five and six now they're one two and three mm -hmm. and then i see them start to pull that endurance uh with the with the the hound is is a little greater at that point of the of the hunt uh and i hunt every day if i hunt every day uh i try to hunt three or four times a week if i get to if the job uh, presents itself you know the next day after a long night those dogs that have more hound they'll be up on top of the dog barrel bouncing ready to go the next day whereas the dogs that have more cur dog will be sleeping and taking it easy and those hounds are ready to go the next day hounds are a little more resilient you'd be a cur dog chris <laughs> <laughs> there was i wasn't always a cur dog i promise you that uh, some of the, there's, there's a lot of people, a lot more people hunting dogs, dogs, uh, today than there was 30 years ago. Uh, very few people hunted dogs. Uh, you know, this guy hunted cat dogs and that was pretty much all the cat hunters knew who he was. And this guy had wolf dogs and all the wolf hunters today knew who that guy was and the hog hunting the same, the same, but you know, there was, you know, there was. A group of guys that hunted hogs and a group of guys you know there's three or four of them and now every town's got six or eight they've got two dogs and a catch dog and a lot more people in the woods so i know like like uh down here um if i'm if i run a cat and don't catch him uh that cat is going to learn tricks get smarter next time i run that cat it's going to pull those those tricks on the dogs uh robbie hurt told me a long time ago he said the summer times when we when we spoil the cats so they're a lot more fun to run in the winter <laughs> um do you do you think these these hogs um uh you you got some young kid that's you know just getting into it doesn't really doesn't really have the dogs that he's want wants and and maybe go run some hogs and doesn't catch them do you think that these hogs learn absolutely i think that is a another factor in it a lot more hunters uh different kind of dogs doing different things different hogs doing different things nowadays uh, maybe some of these i know this is a problem and some of these kids don't ask they they feel that it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission and so they sneak around and then they cut their dogs off and they quit hogs that you know that hog you run him one time and the next time you run him he's going to be a lot different and then the third time you run him he's going to really be different uh you know so a lot of what i do now is is maybe i get phone calls i still do depredation and cleaning pastures but a lot of i get is hey i've got five hogs in my high fence and it's three thousand acres and i've had these guys hunting it and they they can't even find them and then they call me and so well basically i'm cleaning up a mess uh and those hogs are very educated they do not move very much they don't leave much scent because they don't travel uh they find us a, a source of water and a source of food and they stay put uh, usually far off of the road and you, you know if you don't have a dog that's going to get far off the road you're not going to find them you're going to pass them by 
because they're not going to cross the road. They're not going to come out within, and they're not going to ever come out in the daytime. Uh, you know, so majority is still killing a vast number of hogs. We have helicopters and stuff today. Uh, but I come in and I clean up what they've already started. Uh, and a lot of times that's a problem. And that's, again, why I've changed. Uh, my, my, my races, have, like I said, have gone from 30-minute race to two and a half, three hours. And I'm talking about that in the summertime. Uh, you know, we may run hogs a lot longer than that this time of year in wintertime when it's a lot cooler. Uh, we relay dogs. Uh, we put dogs on hogs and, and get them started and running and running and running. And when I see those dogs kind of slowing down, I just I fresh pack them. I, I'll, I'm not scared to go and dump dump two or three more into it and speed that hog up a little bit, make them get tired, make them go on and get bait. Uh, there's a lot of people, they don't have the numbers of dogs and nor have any idea what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to that. Uh, but when I started, I, I'm I'm here to catch him and whatever it takes to catch him and my, my dogs. If if we quit him, I'm gonna mark the spot and I'm gonna give him 30 minutes and well, we're gonna go get after him again. I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna work till I get him. So you take 30 minutes, go water those dogs, let them let them catch their air a little bit. And yeah, blow some air on them in the truck. It gets hot and still and. You know, physically, it just—I mean—they—they they do what they can, and then the environment just takes a toll on them. And I let them blow, and uh, then put them back. I'll, I'll put them back on the trail, send them down the trail, and they'll restart him, jump him, and and get it going again. Uh, with the straight cur dog, you're just—you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, that hog can trot. When you pick your dogs up, he's liable to trot another 45 minutes, 30 minutes. He might be trotting still when when you turn the dogs back out on him. Uh, and and that works sometimes uh these dogs that i'm using a lot of people are using them for deer dogs uh they're multi-purpose uh hound type dog uh this uh this hunt a little different uh just hunt a little different is there is there an ideal number in your mind that you like to hunt if if things are going you know conditions are well uh whatever is there an optimum number of, of dogs that you like to run? If I go to a new place uh, with these kind of dogs, I go to a new place, and I don't think they're going to run. Uh, this this place right here that we're sitting on right now, they're high fencing it. Uh, it's a lot of hogs here. If I were to go on and just try to do a mass eradication, I would probably start with about three dogs, see how they handle. But I would have another six in the truck. Mm -hmm. uh, if they handle good and they bay up and they sit still, then I'll go back to my old ways and I'll try to slip in there and, and uh, assess it and start shooting. And uh, and then after that, I'm going to go run to the truck or have one of my kids at the truck to swing the gate on whatever's left. And uh, But I'll always start with a few number. Uh, I may haul 10. Mm -hmm. And if I know I'm going to places not too bad, uh, there's not that many hogs, but I don't think they're going to. I may turn all 10 out. I may try to catch them, you know, physically handle them. Uh, if I think they might break and run a little bit, if the brush isn't too thick, uh, where a dog can really push one and, and run hard, some good open quail country type environment, uh, you know, I may turn them all loose and go to mugging on them. And uh, if it's real thick, you know, I may, again. Where is the brush not thick? I just moved those dogs over there. <laughs> Out of that sun is that shade, and I'm I got I had cactus sticking in the back of my hand. So so go back to my quail hunting a little bit. We don't obviously quail hunt in this kind of terrain. 
uh i've got a mulcher you could i got a mulcher and a couple of bulldozers working right now that are cleaning and making mots in uh, strip country and you know that changes the way the hogs run too Mm -hmm. Uh, these these dogs can run so fast in this brush only so fast in this brush but you open it up a little bit let those hogs make about two laps they're going to make about two laps in the thicket try to get a little ahead of the dogs and then they're going to start squirting into these open countries because they know they got to make some time and they know that the dogs are going to gain on them in the in that open country so Mm -hmm. they'll they'll make a couple of circles look kind of like a bobcat Mm -hmm. uh make a couple of tight circles try to cross their track uh these 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 hogs today are smart you know they're they're going to cut their track several times and uh you know that's that in itself you watch the gps you see the ones that that make all three circles and and pull out the other side and then you see the one making the fourth circle and you know well we better we better hurry him up <laughs> better tone him or do something mm-hmm. and say hey you missed the you missed the exit there buddy <laughs> it's time to catch up yeah so are your are your uh dogs while they're running a hog um or well let's go back to when you start the track um do your dogs open going down the track do they open when they're running a so hog? i i uh with the technology i take my hounds or my half bloods or three-quarter bloods or whatever it may be and i i i work with them with a collar and i get them started and i get them going and get them really hungry with a with the hog and then i tone them uh i found that i can tone these dogs they know what that tone that tone means hey you're you might be messing up but you might not or maybe it means to do this those dogs that are those hounds are hard-headed and i like a hard-headed dog because i'm a i'm a little hard-headed myself and they take that tone and they start associating that tone is well maybe i'm not when they start opening on a on a cold track and they they hear the tone but the drive is there and so what they tend to do is shut up and let's see how far I can get away with whatever I'm, it is I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so they shut up and they go on and trail silent. When they bay the hog, and at that point, that is because these hogs, if they come out and started cold trailing on a bad spot, those hogs are going to get out of their bed. They're going to start trotting wherever they hear that dog. It's just one bark. That's all it takes. After one bark, uh, my opinion, low, up. Low, low fence excluded. But in the high fence environment where the hogs are smart and they understand what's going on, one bark, the secret's out. So at that point, once they bay the, once they bay the game, they bay the hog, uh, I don't mess with them anymore. They're right. wide open. They bark as much as they want. They keep the puppies pulled to them. They keep, they, then they're working as a pack, a pack of hounds. And, yeah, if I see a puppy barking out of place, same as cat hunting, uh, if he's if he takes all of a sudden he like we're talking about running that tight circle if i see everything pulling out and going across and and i see one hung up right there i'm gonna i'm gonna tone him out make him come to me and then put him but at that point when i start toning him he's gonna pick up and listen and he's gonna hear him going on and then he's gonna go play catch up and he's gonna try to catch him and uh hopefully at that point they're gonna outrun him anyways and Otherwise, they're not running fast enough for me. So we got we got listeners that listen to this podcast from all over the world. You know, they've never hog hunted or never hunted here in South Texas. So um, some people would say that. I guess I, my my question in this thing is, if you're running a silent trailer, how do you keep your pack together? 
How do they stay together? Well, they have to learn to to smell the game that they're running. They have to smell that, hey, this dog cut off right here. Uh, why did he cut off? And then he starts down where he smells that other dog, and then he, oh, well, I smell it now. Here it is. I just missed it right there when he cut that corner. But when you're looking at your Garmin screen, you, you, you cut loose into this brush behind us here. Do your dogs spread out in that brush and, to try to get something going, so or do they stay pretty tight? Initially... Uh, I've been with a lot of cat hunters. Uh, you know, they're covering a small area, but they are covering it full blanket is what I would call it. My dogs are going to travel. They're going to, you know, I may have one three or 400 yards to the left, and I may have one five or six to the right. Once I get a feel that I've got them pretty broke, and, and broke as I mean exotics and, and cats and coyotes and deer, uh, because you can't go to one of these high-dollar properties <coughs> that has deer worth fifty thousand dollars and be bouncing a deer off of a off of a fence uh so i get them good and broke and when i trust start to trust them then i start giving the bridle reins back to them and um, these these dogs that i have they'll start stretching and they'll start swinging and you know just like a swing dog and a, you know he he's he's gonna not just stay in the road uh some of them are gonna travel the road they're gonna be scouring the grounds trying to smell a track uh my dogs don't associate like cat dogs that I've been with. Uh, he's going to go smell that bush. He's going to start wiggling, and then 10 of them are going to knock him out of the way so they can smell that bush. They don't see it, but but they will because they're not all together in the road at the same time. Mm -hmm. They see a dog over there in some hog sign or a waller, and they're wiggling and whooping their tail, and they're going to be like, oh, what has he got over there? And they're going to go They're going to go check him. That That part, that instinct is there. Uh, usually somebody's going to find the hog and everything's going to pull to them. Mm -hmm. uh, these hogs, like I, I said a while ago, they, they're smart. And when people mess with them, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm getting the sorry end of the deal and I'm coming in to clean up. They've already killed all the easy ones and I've got three or four or five hogs left in 5,000 acres and it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And by letting my dogs range, uh, cover more ground than I'm – I'm uh, I'm discovering more ground, you know. Well, a lot of bear hunters, you know, they uh, overlaying this on that, you know, they don't want a silent trailer because then they can't feed feed dogs into. Where are you going to send a young dog if you're trying to teach them to pack uh, to the to the dog that's opening? So I thought it was in, good to get an answer to that to see, you know, how you're doing it and and what your expectations were. A lot of times I'll see my old dogs cut off and they may be trailing and, and I can tell they're now they're three or four of them together and they're all on the same trail and they're all in one little little group. I'll take my young dogs and I'll start walking them down the trail, staying on my track on the GPS that the dogs yeah. followed until they start acknowledging and I'll watch them and they start wiggling their tail. They start acknowledging. Uh, first few times I'm going to take them, I'm going to let the dogs go ahead and bay and open up and get in a race and then I'm going to send them out of the truck i don't like to do that too much because i feel that it takes a little hunt away from them uh i'm gonna get them going really good then i'm gonna i'm gonna probably set them up for failure and correct it mm -hmm. uh, see a deer cross the road and go put them on the deer and, and fix the problem while i have control of it and i know what they're doing uh, other than going in the nighttime and not knowing watching the old dogs okay the old dogs are getting to the young dog or the old dogs taking the track or are they not taking the track Oh, the old dogs are not taking the track. You know, 
they're coming back. Okay, now we have a problem. We're doing something wrong, and we correct it. So, so brings up a good point because you, how much has GPS changed the way you? Uh, Tremendous. I mean, that's why when I said a while ago, laughingly, well, we didn't have a good of dogs today as we did back then. Well, I, I totally disagree <laughs> because we didn't know a lot of times what they were doing. Uh, you know, they just they'd be gone for a little while and you didn't see them, and well, you turn the truck off and you just kind of sit there and well, hopefully you heard them bark or you drove to the next hill and hopefully you heard them bark, and which same as you know cat hunters or wolf hunters did. Right. Uh, especially with the silent dogs. Uh, but, you know, the, the GPS, it tells you who's doing what. You know, before, well, this dog, you got to recognize in his voice and and so forth and so on. But you really didn't know who was faster than who and who was really doing the work. Well, and then this one got lucky, and he bayed the hog at the end, you know, because he cut a cross going to him, and then he stumbled upon him and bayed him. You I know? spent 20 years thinking I had some pretty good dogs until I got that first Garmin GPS. Astro. And then I, <laughs> yeah. then I didn't have any excuses. I could see it, and I was like, wow. You know, it was amazing. Amazing. Oh, it, it, it tells tales. It, it tells you exactly what everybody's doing. <laughs> Only time it doesn't when you put the wrong collar on the wrong dog, and then you, <laughs> and you say, "Man, oh so and so ain't doing as good tonight." Yeah, <laughs> well, that's your fault. You put the wrong collar. You didn't know who he was. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. You absolutely can though. I, mean, I do it with, with coon hounds. I, I had a, I can know the dogs well enough. You get a dog that doesn't open right away, maybe they'll cold trail silent for a little bit and uh, you can tell yeah. when you're watching. Yeah. You know, when they're moving around, then all of a sudden it just slows down and in your situation and like bear hunting or whatever when the everything's out here and it's moving then all of a sudden it just narrows down and everybody's looks like one dog moving across there then you know they're on something well and you can watch the speed on them how okay they're just doinking along doinking along well they're going a little faster they're pulling they're pulling they're pulling now another one's with them they're pulling they're pulling something's fixing to happen turn the truck off and something's fixing to jump or bay or it's the same. It, it gives you a lot of insight. Yeah. So is this a is this a nighttime activity or daytime activity? When do you prefer to hunt? Summertime, you got to hunt at night, early morning. Uh, that's the only shot you got in South Texas. By you know most days, nine o'clock in the morning, it's it's really by then it's it's too hot. Uh, so you know when summertime gets here, a lot of people put their dogs up and they don't hunt them. I'll, I'm gonna go on and go. Uh, but I'm going to wait till midnight, 1 o'clock, little, little dew fall. It still might be 80 degrees. Uh, might be 
might be hotter. I'll pick my days. I'll watch the weather, uh, watch my barometrics, and you know when everything drops and gets right, then that's why I try to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and hunt from one or two o'clock to eight o'clock in the morning. This time of year, a lot more effective. You're gonna you're gonna do a lot better. It's just, I mean, it's what 70 degrees right now, and it's in the middle of the afternoon and bluebird sky. It's kind of uh, cold. Yeah, kind of <laughs> cold in the shade right here. 70 so, degrees in South Texas is pretty chilly. Yeah. How do how do hogs do they act different at night than they do during the day when you're hunting them? Yes. Uh, so if I was gonna hunt like right now, uh, you know, I'm not gonna be in a hurry to get to them at daylight. I'm gonna let them go get in their bed. And then I'm going to trail them because I have a different kind of dog now. I can trail them a lot farther. Uh, a hog in his bed is going to usually stay in his bed mm-hmm. unless he's in a, just a really one of those rotten bed. But you might take that same hog, run him two and a half hours at night. You may wait till eight o'clock this time of year and then kick your dogs out and let them trail him into his bed. And he might not run at all. He might stay right there. Daytime is always a lot better. Dogs can see. Dogs can run faster. They don't have to rely on their nose as good. They can kind of see where they're going, not run straight into a cactus, and then I'm pulling cactus out of their eyes and got their eye pinned shut. Or, you know, they come to me and they can't open their eye and then look, and there's a big cactus thorn got their got their eyelid pinned to the bottom one, you know. And, uh, you know, it's it's better in the daytime, yeah, yeah. by far. Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. Other than the hogs don't walk in the daytime, but right. you got to have a dog that can go on and take a track that might be pretty old to hunt them in the daytime because they're going to walk all night. They're not going to walk that much in the daytime. So how would you describe uh, how old is how old of a track is too old for, for one of your dogs to run down here? It's, it's I'm going to say it's solely going to depend on uh, the weather and hot and humidity. And if we got a little better and it's, got a little more moisture in the air it can short enough take a lot older track uh summertime hot dry you know you better get a pretty fresh track or you're gonna have trouble yeah this ground out here uh it just eats the moisture up and the scent just goes it just goes away uh but you know as far as how long i've seen hogs in the daytime at at a, at a corn feeder deer hunting and i've gone back and got my dogs and come back like three and a half four hours later in the winter time and they've trailed that hog man they may have went mile and a half and trailed him up and bait him right but and and i don't know they trailed the right one or the same one but they left that feeder and they left in the direction the hog left when i saw him leave mm-hmm. uh and gone to bait that hog you know three and a half hours later uh i don't know that you could do that hot dry summertime no. in south texas no uh, a lot of my, i got a lot of friends in east texas and and you know they'll come down and they'll well he's smelling that track that was probably a day and a half ago and and i just kind of laugh you know they're walking around in water over there and you know maybe not standing water but what is the ground is still a little squishy and you're not going to see that here right probably ever you know yeah. even if it rains two inches you so, know every place every place has its own challenges we've we've talked about that and talked about it and talked about it but you know you just don't understand the challenges that you have here until you come down here and you see it and everybody is always talking about why well, you know i hunt in the toughest place on earth well you go someplace else and then you try to walk across that marsh and every other step you're sinking up to your waist and dogs are, and then you go to the Rocky Mountains and it's, you know, inclines and declines and, and trying to get through snow. And so every place 
has its own challenges, except Indiana. It's like lollipops and rainbows up yeah. there. We just walk out there and turn the dogs loose and gather up stuff with butterfly nets. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yes, sir. Do uh, you see, uh, and I have my own answer for my cat dogs, but do you see when you, maybe you don't leave this country, but if you took your dog somewhere else, do you see your dog struggle or do you see any trouble at all? What What do you see when you take your dogs out of this environment? Well, uh, I don't go that far. I go to East Texas, not far East Texas. I home. I've got some good friends there. I've gone up and hunted around uh, some of the Haythorn, Haythorn Sixes kind of country. Uh, dogs did really good there. Uh, for those for those that don't know, those are ranches, Haythorn Ranch and, and mm-hmm. Four Sixes Ranches. So it's a uh, more okay. north central Texas. Uh, some people call it West Texas. It's not really West Texas to me, but it's kind of running mesquite and a, and a little bit of cactus. Nothing like it is in South. And I've got a friend up there, and I invited him to come down here all the time, and he he declines every time. He said <laughs> I've been down there one time, yeah. And there's absolutely no reason for me to come hunting that stuff. So, <laughs> but I enjoy going up there. My dogs. It's the same type uh, weather with less brush. Right. Uh, I would. I would say uh, as many hogs up uh, lots of hogs and they're not a lot of hog hunters and the hogs don't run mm-hmm. as bad. So it's always a good, man. I like to go up there because it's a, you know, we can go stack them. We can go stack them in a, and I just heard all the hog rigs fire up, and they are headed that way. Right? Headed that <laughs> way. That way. As and look. all the people up there are like, dang you, Bubba, <laughs> telling our secrets. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the thing, that, thing about Texas, though, I mean, if you if you don't have there any public land here, right? So no. you can talk about where you hunt. Cause yeah, you can go up yep. there, but unless you got a unless you got an end, it's not good. Texas is a bad place if you don't have an end. You're gonna burn a lot of gas driving around trying to find a place to hunt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I've hauled the dogs to East Texas, uh, uh, river bottoms, briars. A uh, little different there. That's something that they're not used to seeing. Uh, but a couple of days and they'll kind of. They'll kind of line it out. Uh, those guys come down here, and they want to come down here. We have a lot of hogs, and they like to come down here, and then they usually come down here, and they won't come back anymore. They're like, oh, man, they can't run a hog down there. There's too many cactus, and then just, well, those dogs need to grow up down here. It makes it a little different. <laughs> yeah. Put your big boy pants on and come to South Texas. But I do invite them. I'm, 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 I want to see it. I want them to come. But – they don't like to come down here. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday Chris asked me, he said, uh said, Do you ever uh do you ever get used to all this thing poking you all the time when you walk through this? I said, Well you don't have to like it, but you gotta get used to it. You get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world. It really is. It's uh it's unique and I like it down here. But it's different. A lot of game down here. Yes. Lots. A lot of game. Yeah, most of these rent, you know, it's this environment down here uh, is not it. It was cattle country. It always has been cattle country, but it's less and less cattle country. And and uh, a lot of these ranches, that's how they make their living is game. So they mm-hmm. make sure there's a lot of game. I remember we were catching deer with a helicopter one day, and this young kid asked his grandpa, he said, "Why do we spend all this money on these damn deer?" His grandpa said, "Son." 
these damn deer saved a lot of sorry ass ranches. Yeah, <laughs> they fed a lot of cows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you've you've probably you've getting single hunt. I know you've caught thousands of hogs, but have you got a single hunt that's memorable to you? Spe- I, something that's pretty special. Share a story with us. I caught a, a boar hog in George West that a guy called me for about three or four months. It was during quail season, and and again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging or or anything, but this you asked me a memorial. This this was pretty special to me. He had had twelve hunters uh, there throughout the last couple of years. This is a part of the podcast where you can tell a story that nobody will believe. <laughs> they uh they they had he had had 12 documented he was he had a bounty on this hog uh and and he asked me he got my phone number he calls and tells me about it and i'm i'm pretty tied up but that's what's what i look for i look for the one that the hard one i, I want to this is one thing to go to an easy place and it's a lot of fun and and you sure get a lot of good work on a young dog but i like the ones that are challenged and uh he said it's a challenge and it's bad brush and it's you know I've had these guys and this this, this hog has killed their dogs and then they've not found him and they've he's outrun them and he's just and he and we got pictures of him we know he's here because I asked the question well do you have pictures of him recently he got holes in fences he maybe he got out no we we, he, we he's here one hog on three thousand acres I went down <clears throat> I took my dogs with me I scouted around and uh, I run the dogs a little while didn't find him and uh got a little discouraged uh but that was that was one trip and i said look i'll be back in two days uh i will find this hog i will i will i will find him eventually but i will come until i do find him i may not find him the next time but i'll 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 get him yeah and uh the next time i I went and well i had i got lucky and in about about an hour i had him i had him up and going uh and he made a mistake and he come across, he, he came out of a really good thicket that he should have stayed in. He made him about two laps, and I think he thought he had enough head start. And uh, he told me he does this every time, and he comes out of the tail of this tank, and then he goes in, and he goes into this thicket, and then he makes him a couple of circles. And then, well, he came out, he made two circles in that white brush thicket at the tail of that tank, and he came out across, and they and they bait him in the tank. Uh, he didn't He didn't have enough. He didn't have enough lead time. He should have made him three or four circles, and uh, he didn't. He didn't, and it, it was his mistake. And he got in the tank, and they, and I got him in the tank, and the man was with me, and he was ecstatic. And uh, it cost me a dog, uh, but uh, a good dog. He cost me a dog. Uh, that's this. That's sometimes that's why you you keep raising and breeding. Uh, and. But as far as that was, that was pretty special to me because yeah. a lot of people had tried him and, and not got him. They had found him and they had run him and then some not found, couldn't find him. Uh, you know, a place that big, he's, it's not an easy chore to find him. The second night I got lucky and I found him pretty, you know, an hour, I, I found him. He just, he made a bad mistake. Maybe he didn't think they were on him as, as tight as they were, but when he took the opening, he, he took it at the wrong time and uh, made a mistake and... It cost him, and I got him. So maybe it was lost my college ring in the lake at the time. Oh man, uh. <laughs> he made a mistake, but he he may have he may have done that exact same thing to some maybe some other dogs that were 
maybe a little mouthier. He knew exactly where they're at, or maybe the speed. What do you think it was? I, that, I think it was speed. The, the speed. I, I think it. I think when he made the second the second circle in that thicket, I think he had a little. He thought he because he was used to having that much ground, and he had enough time to get to that other thicket, mm-hmm. hit that water one time, and get a little wet, and go on and get to that other thicket. And when he did hit the water, they were they hit the water with him, and he didn't have enough time to get across it. Well, once they had him there, they were spinning him, and and then they had him swimming, and he he didn't have enough time. They swim as fast as he could, and yeah, he didn't have enough time to get to the other side and and go on. Sure, didn't have enough time when that forty four got there. <laughs> so last question before we wrap this up yeah i think uh i think a lot of people we get we get we pigeonhole ourselves as a hunting community you know you got deer hunters you got duck hunters you got hawk yeah you got houndsmen but even within the hound hunting community we we pigeonhole ourselves at times you know yeah oh he's a hog hunter oh he's a coyote hunter he's a coon hunter whatever it is but in my experience, we've done, we're closing in on 100, 100 podcasts. I've been in hounds for 40 years, almost 40 now. You know, it seems like that, that hog hunters, there's a lot of misnomers out there. You know, I've heard that it doesn't take a lot of, it doesn't take much dog to catch a deer. And then the next on that, it would be, doesn't take much of a dog to catch a hog what would you say to that well i just say that uh they hadn't hunted enough they just hadn't hunted enough uh some deer are easy to catch wounded deer some hogs are easy to catch mm-hmm. uh you know uh i pulled up to a feeder yesterday here at this place uh, like i said this place hadn't been hunted in over 14 years probably never seen a dog before and i pulled up there in my truck and two hogs ran to my truck well those probably not going to be very hard to catch. <laughs> Some ones that you don't see ever. <laughs> you see where they've been, but you never see them. Those right. are a little different. So I'd say if, if somebody told me that, that uh, they just hadn't been in the woods enough and hadn't seen enough. Uh, they've uh, been out there on the easy days. They've been on the easy day. They've, they've had a good day. They yeah. hadn't seen the hard day. Right. And I think that's true. It's just, you you know, we all, it's just our nature that, uh, you know, I cat hunt. I'm, I'm a lion hunter. I'm a bear hunter, you know, and I'm, I'm just like everybody else, you know, put a hard running bear out there and, and you feel like you're really doing something, you know, mm-hmm. and there isn't anything else that could do this, you know, Man, so you we gotta, let that ego creep in. You gotta, you gotta go out there and catch the easy ones, but you gotta catch the hard ones too. That's what if makes you, your pack better. If, if you can't catch the hard ones, then... Well, I don't feel any pride in catching the easy ones at that point. Right. I have, well, I enjoy it because it's not always easy anymore like it used to be. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like you progress through it. Um, you know, when you first start, you just want to catch stuff. You just want to stack them up. You want to do body counts. You want to do. But now you've progressed into that breeder trainer. I'm sure that pulling the trigger on a hog doesn't mean a whole lot to you anymore. No. Um, it's more about and we find that is the common thread among houndsmen is it's it's never about very seldom is it about taking the animal or harvesting the animal do we yeah are we ashamed of it no but as we progress we find that that's not the most important part 
of why why we do what we do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pride in taking a an animal and special making it into a specialty animal, mm-hmm. just like he's done with his dogs, you know, and and being able to to you know years ago you might not be able been able to catch that hog that you that you caught, but you've done so much work throughout your years of hounds and, and the research and what do I need to, to catch a better dog and might made the right combination and to me that's where the pride comes in catching that hard one is is man look what I've look what I've got to accomplish with this with this set of dogs yeah that's yeah. that trigger doesn't mean a dang thing yeah they've got a PCU in them now they've got yeah. your emotional attachment and and that's why it's hard when you lose a good one but well I know that if I lose a hound, I'd rather lose them doing what they're bred to do mm-hmm. than, you know, dying of kidney failure or cancer or something. So, I, so I'll, I'll put it this way. I can I can go to a ranch and catch a hog that maybe he, maybe he just, the dog's trailed off and they bait him and I walk in there and he's got five-inch teeth and weighs 300 pounds. This is a trophy hog in South Texas by anybody's standard. And then I can go take a 75-pounder and run that booger for three hours, and I got more pride in that mm-hmm. than I do that big trophy. I'll talk, yeah. I'll talk more about it. Uh, I'll talk more about it, that three-hour race, than trailing him up, baying him in his bed, and walking in there and killing him. Well, it's, like, it's like treating a uh, fall bear. Yep. You know, fall bear, you get a big anything over 200 pounds or fat or sloppy man you get a 90 pound 100 pound bear in the summertime or in the spring when they're just coming out of their den they're lean and they are runners so they can hook it and hook yes, it. yes they can yes they can yes sir you got any final thoughts shorty anything we missed no i just just glad we get to you know let everybody hear about a little different style of south texas hog hunting just you know you know it doesn't matter where we go or who we talk to or what game they're chasing that common thread is always there that that dedication to hounds and and uh, you know the amount of, of pride that goes into you know the way the way houndsmen have the way they feel about their their hounds and the way they take care of them and and the work that they put into them and it's a common thread wherever we go a dedication you know it's it's we call it a lifestyle because you got you got to be a little bit crazy to do this you know uh you know it, it, these are a 365 day a year everyday job to keep them honed up and to care for them and and i mean there aren't any days off for a houndsman if you're not dedicated you just own dogs yep yep you got any final thoughts bubba no, sir, but it's just been a pleasure, and it's been fun hanging out with fellow people and, and houndsmen and dog people, and it's been a great day today. Until next time, you follow your hounds, I'll follow mine.